following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Come on, what's going on? Hey, how's everybody feeling on a Wednesday night? You feel good? Kind of. The few people we have in the house feel pretty good. Everybody that's online, how are you feeling at home? I know we can't hear you in here, but we just know that you're feeling great. It's Wednesday. Listen, you're a few days closer to the weekend. If you're in the house, how many of you are ready for the weekend? Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So let me tell you this. If you are in the house, I'm going to need you to get fired up tonight, okay? If you're, if you're at your house, I'm going to need you to get fired up tonight. I need you to preach with me. So that means you got to be hitting up the chat box. you got to be typing amen, throw some praise hands, some praying hands. I, we're going to need some help tonight. As, as Pastor Johnson knows this, he's, he's been this kind of preacher his whole life. And I'm just going to kind of freshen up the verbiage, but... Um, He's a hollaback preacher, okay? So we need you to just like, if you hear something that just kind of says, wow, it's okay to say amen, and it's okay to throw a hand in the air. Man, hey, today's been a great day. We're going to dive right into the Word of God, but today's been an amazing day for multiple reasons, but probably the most important reason is that um, I became an uncle again today. For those of you, yeah that know, and you do know, Jaron and Caitlin Davis, they are uh, family to me. Uh, Obviously, Caitlin is Pastor Johnson and Patty's daughter, and Jaron, he's just lucky to be a part of all of us. No, I love Jaron, but they had a sweet baby girl named Everson today. Mama and baby are healthy, and she is Gorgeous. Jaron, I don't know how you produced a child so pretty. Um, I'm glad that you, you have a very pretty wife, my sister-in-law. So we love you guys. And it's also a great day, and this is a random transition because uh, just, uh, I think it was today, in fact, it may have been yesterday, my son came home and he said, Dad, I found it. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Well, several weeks ago, he's got like this trusty sweatshirt that goes in his backpack. Like it is his go-to comfort sweatshirt at school. If it gets too cold, he throws it on. And he was looking for it one day and it wasn't in his backpack. And he said, dad, I think I lost it. I don't know what happened. And weeks went by and I was kind of frustrated. I'm not going to lie. This was like the, you don't want your kid to lose stuff. Come on, you're 10. Let's go, bro. You should be able to keep up with the sweatshirt, right? And He comes home and he says, and I don't know why, they've gotten into this, like, my children say this word, it's so satisfying, right? I don't know why they use this phrase, and I don't know where they heard this. They don't even know what that means, but but it's so satisfying. Dad, guess what? What? I found my sweatshirt that I lost. I said, where'd you find it? He said, my teacher went to the lost and found, and she found my sweatshirt. Isn't it amazing when you have something that you thought that you lost that you end up finding? Isn't that just a, in the words of my 10-year-old, isn't that so satisfying <laughs> when, it's, when you think it's lost, but then you find it? And, and I want to I preach a very simple message tonight with, with that simple title, Lost and found. And I'm going to dive right into the deep end. We're not kind of wading into it tonight. But have you noticed that there's two different types of people 
in this world. There are two different types. First, there are those, and you will fall into one of these two categories, and we're going to work on you. God's not done with all of us yet. He's going to work on both of us tonight. But there's, there's those who allow the circumstances that they find themselves in to influence their enthusiasm for life. But then there, there are those who, who use their enthusiasm to influence their circumstances. Now, now I don't know which category you fall into, but, but those who, who let what's going on around them determine their mood, they, they determine, it determines their posture, their, their perspective, or there's another camp of people who, who allow what's going on on the inside of them to influence what's going on around them. And, and I don't know about you, but I know that there's one, there's one of those camps that I wish that I would fall into. And I want to talk to you about this word tonight called enthusiasm. Everybody say enthusiasm. Come on, if you're, if you're online, why don't you just type in right now, just type in the word enthusiasm. I need you to participate tonight. But this is a, a very interesting word, and it actually comes from two different words, and it comes from this. This is, this is how you break it down, in theos, which means in, means in, and you've heard of the word theology, theos means God. So the word enthusiasm literally means in God, or it could be mean, it can mean to be filled with God. And so I'm talking to you this evening about this concept of spiritual enthusiasm. And spiritual enthusiasm is not something that you work up. Spiritual enthusiasm is not a product of your environment. Rather, it is a posture of your heart. It's a posture of your heart, and it's a, a product of your time spent with God. Spiritual enthusiasm, spiritual passion, spiritual desire is born in the presence of God by the power of God. In fact, I love what the Apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this, but, I, but thank God that he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work, and I love this, always work enthusiastically. Woo, just woohoo. Just get fired up when you work for the Lord. For you know that nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. So anything that you do for the Lord is never useless. It's never done in vain. And what he's trying to, to get across here is that it's not what you do that makes it meaningful. It's who you do it for. That's what makes it so special. It's not the thing that makes the action meaningful, but it's the intent of the heart towards who you're serving is what makes it so meaningful. Whatever you are doing, whenever you're doing it for the Lord, it can transform something mundane and turn it into something that means so much to you. It's why we have so many dream team members around here who have discovered their purpose and they're, they're living it out. Why, listen, who in your right mind would think picking people up in a golf cart could be so 
in the words of my 10-year-old, satisfying. (laughs) It's because they've discovered their purpose and they know who they're doing it for. It's not the action of driving a golf cart. It's that I get to usher people into the house of God and their lives have the possibility of being changed forever. It's who you're doing it for that makes all the difference. Whatever you do, he's saying, do it enthusiastically for the Lord. If you're a greeter in the church, greet enthusiastically. If you teach our children, teach enthusiastically. It's why this church has the joy of the Lord because we do everything that we do and we have spiritual enthusiasm as we do it. It's important. You can have spiritual enthusiasm But if you can have it, you can also lose it. Take David for example. David was a shepherd boy who became a king, a kid who became a king. And as a child, as a a kid, he was filled with entheos, right, with this enthusiasm. But as a king, somewhere along the way, He lost it. You know the story, if you've been around church for for any length of time, you'll be extremely familiar with this story. David faces a giant by the name of Goliath that the Philistine army was at war with the Israelite army. And and back in this day and age, they would often pick a representative from each uh, tribe to, to go to battle. And whoever won between those two would be the winners. They would declare a victory between the two. And so the Philistines, for those of you that may be unaware of the story, they've got this massive giant by the name of Goliath who is ready to step up and take his place and and take on whoever would have the courage to stand in front of him and battle him and the Israelites. Well, they had nobody. (laughs) Nobody wanted to stand and face Goliath. Nobody wanted to stand up to this giant. And to make a long story short, here, here comes peddling into town this little teenage boy, this little shepherd boy who is bringing snacks to his brother, and he, he looks on enthusiastically, and he volunteers <laughs> to fight the giant. Now, it's battle time. It's go time. All the preliminaries have been taken care of. These are the two that are going to go to war, and I want you to watch. This is... This is one of the, uh, like, my favorite passages of Scripture because of just how almost absurd it is the way that he speaks here. I want you to watch how enthusiastically he is approaching the battle, the spiritual enthusiasm that he says in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is David speaking to Goliath. Goliath, you come against me with a sword and a spear. You have a javelin too, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And watch this, watch this. This is where it gets good. He's he's passionate. I will strike you down. And I will not only strike you down, let me take it a step further. I'm going to cut your head off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This very day, 
(laughs) the, The carcass, what a great word, your carcass. I'm gonna give to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. In theos, enthusiastically serving the Lord. This is not human confidence because human confidence, you can't have confidence, humanly confidence. No, no, no. When you're facing a giant, it don't matter who you are. By yourself, you don't have what it takes. I don't care how much you're in the weight room. I don't care how many squats you do. and you, well, It don't matter how many burpees you can do. How, no, no. When you're facing a giant, you don't have what it takes by yourself to defeat the giant. This is, this is not a human confidence. This is raw, unparalleled enthusiasm born out of time spent with God. See, when you spend time with God, it produces enthusiasm like David had. And so so here's the question. Where does he get this enthusiasm as a child? There's a whole army of warriors who have prepared, who have spent year after year preparing for battle, who didn't have what he had. They didn't possess what David possessed, where did he get this spiritual enthusiasm? And I've got three thoughts that I want to share with you this evening of, of just maybe where, where David's enthusiasm came from. But here's the key, and you'll see this throughout all three of them, is that every single one of them were daily occurrences in David's life. Not just if it was fun or if it felt good or if it was easily accessible. No, no, no. They were daily occurrences in the life of David. Here's the first one. David trusted God daily. He trusted God daily. How can you fight a giant David? Because in previous days, and you know the story, this is nothing new. He trusted God when he was taking care of his sheep and a bear would attack and God would would give him what he needs to defeat the bear, the strength that he needed. And so since he trusted God before the battle with the bear, now he's standing in front of Goliath and he knows if God gave me the strength then, he came for he came through for me then then I know without a shadow of a doubt that I've trusted him then that he can be trusted today. Amen. He trusted God daily. The second thing that that David did was that he walked with God daily. I want to listen what would your life look like if you walked with God daily? If it wasn't something that you just said Oh, man, I open my, yeah, I do, I do my, my, my Christian duties. Well, what if you really walked with God daily? David would be the one that would say this. Maybe you've heard this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He what? He leads me. See this word? He walks with God daily. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He, he leads me. He, he walks with God daily along the right path, even for your namesake. And even though I, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you 
are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with, this is, this is David walking with God. See, you don't say this about somebody that you're not close to. You, you don't make these kind of statements about somebody that you don't have a, a very intimate relationship with, somebody that you don't trust on a daily basis, somebody that you don't walk with on a daily basis. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Amen. Trusted. Wow. Trusted God daily. He Walked with God daily. And the third one is very simple. He worshiped God daily. He worshiped God daily. Can I tell you, when you're having the worst day that you've been walking through in a long time, can I tell you how good it will do your soul to find yourself a quiet space and just turn on your favorite worship song and maybe just for a moment you just sit there and listen and allow the presence of God to enter into that room and into that space and then you begin to open your heart and your mouth in worship and adoration to the King of Kings. See, when the Ark of the Covenant, he worshiped him daily. When it came into his hometown, the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God dwelled, he went out into this, this massive worship party, if you will, so much so that his wife was so embarrassed and she began to make fun of him. But he couldn't help himself. This is, this is where, this is how you build spiritual enthusiasm, this passion for God. He, he didn't care what people were saying about him. He didn't care what his own wife was saying. I'm going to worship him because I know this is what I was created to do. And in this season of life, it wasn't just a click on a computer screen once a week to watch a sermon it wasn't even a drive across town to sit in some chairs to, to be a part and listen to a message once a week for David. It was daily. I will worship you. I choose to worship you. This is who I am. It's what, it's what I do. Abiding in the presence of God is what gave him the enthusiasm for God that he had. There were two seasons in David's life. There was one season when he had it. <laughs> there was another season when he lost it. If you'll fast forward to a time when David was king, there's another famous story that you're familiar with, and the text would start this way in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And a time... When kings go off to war. In the springtime, when, when kings were supposed to be in battle, David stays at the house. And when he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he climbs up onto a roof and he sees a woman bathing. When he wasn't where he was supposed to be, wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. He saw something 
that he wasn't supposed to see, and he did something he should have never done, and it cost him and it cost a whole lot of people something that they should have never lost. And it all started when he stopped spending time with God daily. Daily. How does your walk with God look? Stop spending time with God as a kid, as a child. David ran into battle. Not just, oh, maybe, no, no, no. He didn't stumble into it. He volunteered when nobody else would volunteer. He ran into battle to serve his God, but then later as a king, as a grown man with his wits about him, with his brain fully developed, with being able, he's supposed to be able to make all the right choices here, he walks onto a roof to serve his comfort, not his God. How does a man who had so much spiritual enthusiasm as a kid Lose it as a king. And the answer is this, and listen, this is not some earth-shattering message, but, but it's just a reminder for the children of God on this Wednesday night. The answer is this, is that he took his eyes off of his calling and he put it on his comfort. He took his eyes off of what God was calling him to do and who God was calling him to be, and he put it all on himself and on his comfort of what felt right and what what seemed right and what seemed right in the moment. My question to you on this Wednesday night is which one of these best represents you? Which one represents you as you sit at home this evening watching the message, which, which one of these Davids, David as a, a child or David as a king, which one represents where you are spiritually right now? Are you full of entheos? Are you full of enthusiasm for the things of God? Are you just fired up? Can you just not wait to open your Bible up when you wake up in the morning? Is there something inside of you like a kid at Christmas that says, oh man, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. Come on, is there anybody in the house that that has a little spiritual enthusiasm? It's not about what but it's about who I get to serve the Lord. I get to grow in my relationship with him, or do you find yourself in a season of spiritual comfortness? (laughs) Perhaps more complacent than you've been in a long time. Which one, which one represents you this evening? During this season of life, come on, we're, we're, we're battling. Every one of us is dealing, and we wake up every day, and we battle. We battle right here every single day. What kind of day are you going to have every day? 
Because if you'll allow yourself, come on, it can go negative in a heartbeat. Every day you wake up and during this season of life, are you charging into spiritual battle? Knowing that the Lord is for you, that he's with you, that he'll never leave you or forsake you or... And I'm not, listen, I'm not condemning anybody because I think we've all been there. Or have you drifted into spiritual complacency? During this season of life, the global pandemic with life scattered and nothing seeming to make sense, people are confused, people are frustrated. My observation is that most people have likely fallen into two extreme categories. One very positive extreme, many are choosing to continue their their daily walk with God vibrant and passionately. People are continuing to depend on his presence like never before. You, I, God, I gotta have your presence more than the air that I breathe. If I don't have you, I can't make it. And there's, there's that camp of people. But tragically, there's another extreme, an extreme where we don't drift towards spiritual health. We don't drift towards good decision-making, but we, we've drifted over the last eight or nine months towards complacency towards apathy, towards self-centered attitudes that, that only serve you. I'm gonna try to say this as lovingly as I can, but this is the reality of where we are, folks. Unfortunately, many people have now become disengaged from worshiping together in the physical church because of what we've, we've gone through. And you start out with church online, and it's great, man, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God gave us this technology during this season, and I believe God has used it to reach people that we don't even have a clue. But for those of you that have been used to coming to the house and now you're having to watch online, you start online, but, but that momentum begins to wane as the weather gets a little bit nicer. You start going outside, you're making plans on the weekends, and I'll just, I'll just make it up sometime. I'll, just, I'll watch on YouTube sometime if I get a chance, if I get off work early, if I'm not tired when I get home. And drifting. And suddenly, and it happens, listen, it's not intentional. It's a slow drift. It's a slow drift. And suddenly, bad habits begin to set in and the good disciplines begin to fade away. And and listen, eight months ago, you were filled with a God perspective. Woo, man, come on, let's go, Lord. (laughs) Come on, I can take on anything. Filled with the presence of God. Now you're filled with fear. You're riddled with anxiety and doubt and, and you're struggling with, with a loss of joy. Where'd my purpose go? And you're, you're, you've wandered around the last eight or nine months. Just you, you don't even know you've accomplished absolutely nothing in the last nine months. 
Where'd my, my joy go? What am I supposed to do? I don't, I don't even know what was once vibrant and passionate relationship with God has been replaced with Netflix and whatever else we choose to do. Which represents you. Entheos, enthusiastic about the things of God. Come on, I wonder if there is a church that can rise up in South Austin that says in spite of everything that we're walking through, in spite of everything that we're going through, we choose to be passionate about our relationship with God. Which represents you best tonight in Theo's calling, purpose, passion, enthusiasm, or comfort and complacency? David had it, and then he lost it. Nathan the prophet <laughs> confronted him on his sinful behavior, and after that confrontation, David realized how he had fallen away, and he cries out to God in Psalm 51, and he says this, create in me, create in me a pure heart, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, watch, restore Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David is, here's what David is saying. I lost it, but I'm ready to find it again. I lost it somewhere along the way. Listen, I didn't intend to, but life happened. I got complacent because things happened, and, and I, there was this pandemic that happened. I didn't even mean to make these choices, but, but before I knew it, I found myself making decisions that I never thought that I would make. I had it, and I lost it, but Lord, will you restore Amen. the joy of your salvation, restore it to, I want it back. I lost it, but I'm ready to find it again. Restore to me. How do you find, listen, how do you find something that you lost? How do you find something that you lost? Sometimes it's not as easy as your teacher finding your sweatshirt in the lost and found. But sometimes it is. Here's what you do, are you ready? If over the last eight, nine months, you look at your life and you say, you know what, I lost it. I had it, man, it was good. But I just, I lost it a little bit and you're ready to get it back. Here's how you get it back, this is so easy. You go back to doing what you did before. Amen. You go back to doing what you did before. It's like Jesus told the believers in Ephesus in Revelation chapter two, he said this, you have forsaken your first love. 
the love that you had at first. Here's what he said, you walked away. You let it go, you, you had it, but you let it go, you surrendered it. In other words, you didn't lose it, you left it. He said, you've forsaken the love that you had at first. And then he says this, this is a question for, for many of us to ponder. If you find yourself in a complacent camp tonight because of the last nine months, he says this, consider how far you've fallen. Wow. Consider how far you've drifted over the last nine months. Consider the relationship that you, you once had where you could easily hear his voice. You could hear him leading you and you could feel him guiding you and you, you knew the sound of his voice. You could feel him when you woke up. You knew he was there. Consider how far you've fallen. And then he says this, repent. Change directions. That's what it means. Change direction, change your way of thinking. And then watch what he says. He says, and do the things you did at first. Do the things that you did. Do the things that you did when he first saved you. Find that old closet that you used to pray in that's now got clothes and all kinds of junk. Throw the clothes and the laundry out of the closet and get back in there and say, this is my place of prayer. This is my war. This is where I choose to do my battle every single day, not just over my food. You do what you did at first. You do them again. And you do them again. And then you wake up the next day and you do them again. And then you wake up on Thursday and you do them again and you start feeling this joy in your spirit. It's the way it happens. I'm telling you, it's a snowball effect. It starts the, the first day is difficult because you're not used to it. You're used to comfort. But you do it one day, and then the next day, it's a little bit easier. And the next day, it begins to grow, and your spiritual momentum begins to pick up. And your enthusiasm, you begin to see God working in everything. What'd you do before all of this? Let me ask you, Christian, who has drifted, those of you that may be watching online, what did you do before the pandemic hit when you were so strong spiritually? I'll tell you what you did. It's not rocket science, it's really easy. You walked with him daily. You enjoyed getting in his presence. You trusted him daily instead of trusting the news. Instead of trusting what you read on social media, you trusted him. This is, this is what you did before all of this. You worshiped him. Remember those moments when you were driving in your car to work and you had to pull over because tears were rolling down your face because the presence of God was so real in your car? 
you trusted him, you walked with him, you worshiped him daily, you do those things. I'm telling you, if you wanna get your spiritual enthusiasm back, just try it and see what happens. There's two types of people in this world. Would you stand with me? Those who let their circumstances, what we're walking through right now, those who allow a global pandemic to allow fear and and panic and anxiety to influence their posture and their heart and their own spiritual temperature. And then, here's the beauty of it. There's a whole lot of Christians and there's a whole lot of people who allow their enthusiasm, their spiritual enthusiasm. You know why people enjoy being around you at work? Because you're you're excited because there's something on the inside of you that they're looking for. They may not be able to put their finger on it, but they know that they need what you have. That's your passion coming out. And then there's those who lose it. And we all have those seasons in life, and I'm just a moment from being done. We all have those seasons of life when your faith has been under attack, when your mindset has been under attack, when your mood has been under attack. So what do you do? You trust him. You walk with him, you spend time with him, enjoy being in his presence, and you worship, you worship, you worship him. So here's what we're gonna do for the last 30 seconds, one minute of our time together tonight. They're not gonna sing some fancy song, they're just gonna play just like this. For those of you that are watching at home, those of you that may be in the house tonight, I wonder, I'm not, I'm not talking about jumping or I want a, I wonder if we could just have a moment, a moment of worship where we just say, God, even if you're there, just say, God, get me to where I need to be in you. I wanna feel you again. I want to know that you're there every moment of every day and I worship you. I'm just going to do the things I did nine months ago before all of this, before fear set in and anxiety set in. I choose to walk with you and trust you. But right now I'm going to worship you in your house. Can you do that? Can you find the words from your own heart, Lord, right now? God, I worship you from the bottom of my heart. For those that are in the house, those that are watching online, Lord, you see every individual who is struggling with their spiritual enthusiasm. They've kind of gone off course over the last several months because of what we've been walking through. But right now, restore the joy of my salvation. We've lost it, but we're ready to find it again. And it's so simple. It's so simple. I walk with you. I trust you. And I worship you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name 
of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I, I pray for every person in this room tonight, every person watching online, that as we had worship earlier tonight and as your word has gone forth, that no longer, no longer, I don't care how long this pandemic lasts, this spiritual season for us is over. It ends tonight. In this moment right now in this church service, we choose to allow the global pandemic that is affecting us spiritually to end. And I choose to not be complacent. I refuse to be lazy in my walk with you any longer, Lord, but I want you to restore everything that was taken. Help us, Lord, as we strive after you, as we serve you. We can't make it without you. We love you and we need you for it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. All right, so you got some homework this week. You got some homework. Tomorrow, you wake up and you trust him. When you can't track him, you still trust him. When you don't understand what's going on, trust him. And then you walk with him. Lord, I'm gonna be in your presence. Spend some time in his presence. I don't know what that looks like for you. It's different for all of us. Maybe it's driving to work. Maybe it's sitting on the back porch drinking coffee. Spend some time in his presence. And then worship him. Find some time to just lavish your love on him. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a recipe for spiritual enthusiasm in your life. And here's what I believe. You're gonna come into church Sunday. You're gonna have a pep in your step. Your family's gonna start noticing something different. Mom and dad used to come home and be, but now man, there's, some, there's something has been restored. The joy, your salvation. We're so glad you're here tonight. Lord, thank you for this amazing audience. Bless us tonight. Let us have a great rest of the week. Bring us back Sunday in your house for another amazing time of worship and word. Lord, we love you and we need you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house. Thank you for tuning in tonight. We'll see you Sunday.